welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset app. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset app, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear, ultra HD audio without the major league price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the Headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The Headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use ABCA24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10%. Find out more at theheadsetapp.com. This week, joining us on the ABCA podcast is Jackson State head coach Omar Johnson. Since taking over the helm of the program prior to the 2007 season, Johnson has led JSU baseball to a winning season every year with 13 30-win campaigns in 16 seasons. In 2022, Johnson earned his 500th win as JSU head coach. The current dean of the Southwestern Athletic Conference baseball coaches at one school in his 17th season, Johnson's Tigers have averaged nearly 32 wins per season, winning seven SWAC Eastern Division titles and two SWAC championships. Johnson is a huge proponent of academics in the Tigers program, having finished with a grade point average of 3.0 or better every season. Prior to coaching at Jackson State, Johnson worked at the University of North Alabama for four years, leading the 99 squad to its first ever NCAA Division II College World Series. Let's welcome Omar Johnson to the podcast. You back in school yet? Yeah. Yeah, we, we actually had Monday... Well, Monday was the holiday. Then we had ice on Tuesday, and then we it was unusually cold here on Wednesday. It was single digits cold is rare around here. So, <laughs> get it out of the way now. Yeah, it's always you know the, the the infrastructure here is really old, 
Um, actually, the city's about 200 years old. Um, and the cast iron pipes, they haven't eliminated those. So every time it's freezing, it's an issue here. Yeah. So. Well, and that's a project, too, to get those replaced. That's, those, yes. those aren't cheap. <laughs> we, no. we, tried to, we, uh, we didn't have anything really at our field, um, you know, locker room-wise or anything, so I priced it out. And state of Illinois is always way more expensive just because it's a union state, but they uh, to go like 100 yards to get the, the pipe to the water line, they wanted like a half a million dollars to do that. Ooh. And I was like, ah, we, we got, we got other needs. <laughs> That's a lot. It's truly a lot. All right. Here with Omar Johnson, Jackson state university head coach since 2007, uh, has had a winning season at JSU all those years. So Omar, thanks for jumping on with me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yo, you got to join us with the base running hot stove this year, the convention. What do you think of the the hot stove? Oh, it's a great experience. Great experience. I've you know I've been to a couple you know as just a coach just sitting in the room, um, but to have an opportunity to share some of the things we do, you know, it's 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 really really important moment for me. Were, was there anything that that was shown that that you had not seen? Um, I've I, believe it or not, I've had a side conversation with Mike. Um, Cause I'm really interested. Um, I, I, I wasn't completely sold at first base. I know it works at second, you know what I mean? But at first I, I that's why I had some more questions and he sent me some videos. He's a man. He shared. I, I, I was really appreciative of that, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting into it. It's some of the things that I like. I, I was intrigued by the, especially with the left hander at first base with, with the runner starting at first and then working into what he calls the playground. I thought that was intriguing. I actually showed that some, some coaches um, that are trying to work on some of the hybrid stuff, but I, I did actually like that quite a bit. But it's something, you know, I think we all go through that at the convention. You you see something that you really like, but it's you've spent all this time in the fall putting all your stuff in. Sure. So that's almost one of those things you got to maybe put in your pocket until yeah. next fall, unless you got unless you got a really elite base runner that you might want to tinker around with on the side for indies, but you guys are getting ready to go here. And that's not, that's not one of those things where you could just say, Hey, we're going to do this. I just saw it. I just saw it at the convention. Now we're going to put it in. It's hard to do that. Yeah. I always say that's the mistake of the high school coach. They, they'll see something and say, man, that, that really looks good. And then he brings it back to his team after he had worked three months on one thing. And now they're all out of whack for until the middle of the season. Yes, so, for sure. Now we'll until next year and try to perfect it yeah. a little bit summer and see what how it works for us and it seems like our diversity committee meetings have grown exponentially too as well yes they have if that that was the biggest that's the biggest turn turnout i've seen you know i've been a member of the 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 association for 23 years so you know i i've seen it kind of go through some i remember the first the first one i went to in like 96 in chicago and really, that was the first time I ever been that cold. I think we stayed in the building the entire the entire time. That's <laughs> so, the old high. No, we're, we're really excited to see that number of coaches come out and in different, not just coaching, you know, different other jobs related to baseball also. Yeah, and I run the youth stage speakers, and that room has continued to grow too. We were, you know, I think the first year that that they did it was in Indianapolis, and it was like in a side room. And now I think we had 1,100 chairs in that U-Stage area this year, which is, is great to see. It's awesome. Yeah. 
Who did you get a chance to see very many speakers? I know it's long. Those are long days with the diversity committee. It seems like you guys are in there for five, six, seven hours on that yeah, day. Yeah. Did you get a chance to see anybody speak? Yeah, I seen a, you know I seen the opening the opening speech, um, and um, and um, um, Andy the, from USC. Yep, Stan. Um, Coach Stan with with him this this summer, so. And, you know, so I really wanted to make sure I get out there and support him. And we, we, you know, we had some conversations about infield play and whatnot like that, you know, over the summer. So I, I was really intrigued by that. Um, I seen a couple outfield. I seen the earlier base running um, with the guy from the Yankees. So, no, I, I, I try to get in there and, you know, try to make sure I'm doing it the right way, you know, kind of comparing what we do to what some of those guys do. And, you know, that's that's a big deal for me. At what point in your coaching career did you know that base running was going to be kind of a staple of your program? It's where I came from. Um, being at North Alabama with, with, with Coach Lane, you know, the, over there we stole a lot of bases. We put a lot of emphasis on the base running. Um, the short game, you know, we, 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 we still we still bunt. We still believe in advancing runners, you know, doing some of the things that, that you, you've done. You know, just watching um, – Fullerton in Texas when Augie was there, you know, just how they how they had so much success with that. Um, and and Coach Lane, he kind of, you know, I, I coached there for four years before I came over here, and it was kind of in me. And, you know, I always did a decent job of coaching and trying to figure out a way to get our guys to buy in because, like we said, at the end of the, end of the hot stove, buy, the buy-in is the biggest deal. You know, to see that they can win games that way, um, that's – and we've been able to recruit some kids that it kind of fit. You know, I recruit a kid that can run and handle a bat a little bit and play some defense and, you know, get a little more mileage out of that guy. I tell parents and, and recruits that all the time. I'm like, if that's your style, then you better look at the stat line, stats that that program has and see if that program actually fits your style. And luckily I was around coaches that emphasize base running and, and short game because that's what my style was. So I think that's – something that parents and players don't always look into. If you're, you know, if you're a player that can really run and likes to put pressure on the defense, Jackson State's going to be a good place for you, but not every program does it that way. Right. No, that's true. It's definitely, it's definitely a fit. You know, that's why we're able to do it. You know, you go out and look for some guys that's running six fives and six six, you know, so that always helps. And I think you can still teach Bonnie. You know, we, we spent so much time on it. I think there's progressions out there. We did a lot of bare hand stuff, one-handed stuff in the beginning just to try to get our players acclimated. You know, especially because, you, you, I mean, you've had how many 30-win seasons. You're going to win a lot more games, you know, where maybe the weather's not as good. You're getting cold down yep. there. It's going to rain sometimes or the weather's not as good. You still got to be able to score runs or depending on the pitcher that you're facing that day too. When I when I when I explain to people, you know, our philosophy, and it it, it, it kind of, you know, I say we're trying to get to third base with less than two outs, you know, and then from there it's we can safety squeeze, we can squeeze, we can, you know, just put the ball on the ground to the. So there's so many different ways to score when we're there with, you know, how to get a hit. Getting a hit is hard, it's hard to do, um, but getting them to understand how to play baseball and then being able to execute a short game. In a close game, that's can be the difference. Um, and we just don't bunt for just to get it down. We bunt for location. We'll get cones out there and force them to get the ball in this area. And being able to run a little bit, man, that puts so much pressure on the defense. Definitely late in the game. Oh man, it, we've won countless games late just because a well placed bunt 
a timely bunt. A guy steal a base, get to third base, and now a ground ball to the shortstop scores that run. It, it, it's, it makes the game so much easier because the game's really hard if you always trying to score somebody from first. Yeah, really hard. And I, I saw Pete Rose interview a long time ago when I was growing up, and he talked about not just barrel awareness, but also tracking too. It helps help guy helps guys get their eyes in the zone a little bit more. Where maybe if they're not going to bunt, they're still going to be able to track the ball a little bit better. Working on tracking the ball in. How how many guys at, at even at the college level, even at at some of the the elite programs, how many guys actually really after taking pitches track the ball all the way back to the mitt? It's almost a lost thing. You know, you can tell, talk to the kids about, hey, track the ball to the mitt. Track them. It's just the same as telling them to keep the head down after you swing because they want to look at everything. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things you have to remind them about a lot, almost daily. We used to take a lot of film. You know, MLB Network was so good as far as showing guys in spring training what they're doing. And, and we would talk about the head down piece. I'm like, okay, here's Miguel Cabrera. He's probably not going to do this during the year. But look at his spring training swings. He is basically, you know, shoulder to shoulder on his chin, trying to keep his head down early. Because if you don't get it early, it's easy once you get it down. Then you can start following the flight. But if you don't do that early, man, you're going to miss hit a lot of balls early in spring training. I tell you what, a long time ago, this is 90s, tell you how old I am. Um, it was Paul O'Neill. Bernie Williams and Cecil Fielder when the Yankees were going through that, that whole first round of their BP, I don't think they looked up at a ball. And they were talking about driving balls. Didn't look up at one. Walked out of the cage after taking swings. It was amazing. It was it was it's re it reinforcing what you're saying. That was one of those moments. Like, hey man, to see them, that's what they're doing. So, so are you doing machine work mostly with bunning? Are you doing live pitching? I, I think that's the hardest thing to emulate is is a live arm for them because it, it can be a little bit different. It's easy to do it in BP or, or maybe even off a machine sometimes, but we try to do as much. I'm still capable of throwing, you know, so <laughs> we try to do as much live, especially when we're going over um safety squeezes and suicide squeezes and the safety squeeze the the third base just to get the base runner. We'll put a base runner out there and have just to see the actions of it, um, a lot of the, the a lot of the um, sack bunch now we're we're using the machine because that, that hack attack is unbelievable. It, it it throws the ball right there every time, and and those guys can get work on some technique, getting their hands out, and work on location. So we, we try to get as many reps. Believe it or not, it's something we work on every day. We just had a conversation about we that a minute. And breaking balls, you know, with, with a hack attack, you can em, emulate good sliders and curveballs, and what they're they're going to have to bunt those too. So it just right. helped kind of with their learning curve of being able to handle those too. And that was also a tracking thing too of finding out where a, a breaking ball is going to end up from the mound to the plate. You know, those are all things that benefit a hitter too of figuring out okay, if the shape of the pitch is here, even if I'm swinging away, this is probably where it's going to end up if it's a good pitch to hit. Right. No, I definitely agree. Hey, is this the first year of the Astros HBCU Classic? Second. Because I, I, I had not seen that on the schedule last year. So that this is the second year of it. Yeah, they, they did an outstanding job last year. Um, it was more than we expected. Celebrities, um, celebrity softball game. They had a banquet for the kids, giveaways. You know, you go to places and you just – the games – no, they laid, they rolled it out. Dusty Baker came in out and talked to, you know, some of the coaches. It was, it was a good event, really good event. Love it. Who instilled your love of baseball growing up? My granddad and my uncle played. So, you know, kind of 
father could believe it or not, my brother played football. You know, he played football at the University of Minnesota, and he never played baseball. But somehow it stuck with me. Um, they don't even play baseball in my neighborhood anymore. It's crazy. But you think Miami, I'm from Miami. You would think Miami, they're playing baseball. You know, it's a big baseball place. But not where I'm from, they're not doing it anymore. Um, only football, basketball. But back, you know, mid-'80s, you know, it, it was pretty popular, pretty pretty big deal. Then I had an opportunity there. They don't play they don't play Legion and PAL. I played for the PAL, you know, and I played Legion. We had a pretty good team, and it just kind of stuck. It was one of the best things I ever did. And those those uh, numbers just came out, the Aspen Research numbers, and uh, we presented those at the convention. You know, everybody's talking about the, the decline. We're actually only behind basketball for participation from the 6- to 12-year-old range. we got to continue to work to, to get that up. But it, those numbers were actually a positive for me. We've got to find a way to continue to get those participation numbers, especially from 12 to 13, 14. That's where you see that huge drop-off. But that was eye-opening to me when you saw those participation numbers because we, we are we're still only behind basketball in, in that 6- to 12 range. I think it's going to continue to increase because of all of the the injuries in football, you know. But it, 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 you know this as well as I do. It gets it starts getting hard at thirteen. You start getting out more, you know. It it's just the bases are further apart. It, it harder know, to throw strikes. No, it's a tough game. It's a tough game at at that that level when it start getting thirteen, and it's much easier. You have more success. Um, Playing basketball, you can make if you can you can make you know. Well, nobody knows too, or or if you're you're struggling, they can put you on the bench for a little bit and let you come back in. But in baseball, if you struggle, everybody sees it. Well, it's a lot easier to make a layup than to hit a foot baseball. So just think about that. So, How are you helping your guys through the the learning part of it? You know, you're getting ready to start your season. You're probably going to play some freshmen that might struggle for the first time they've ever had to do that. How do you help your guys through that part of it? I I, I learned well. It, it it depends on the kid. Um, but I had a, I had a kid here about ten years ago. Very good catcher, very good catcher. And I had to put him out there. I had to, you know, he was he was that kind of catcher. Um, I I, I heard his confidence because he had to fight through some of those struggles. So I learned more in that situation that I have to sit him down. The next freshman that I got had, that had that ability level, I sat him down. You know, once I seen a couple over, let's take a break, let's relax. And his next three years were really good years. The 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 catcher he struggled that next year, and then he had two better years. But if I I was thinking, man, if I could have sat him down some as a freshman, I could have helped him progress a little faster instead of dealing with some of the frustration because you know it's hard in the grinds of a season you know basically every every couple day every two three days we're playing so you know you, you got to get over some of those 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 failures and that's the big part about about what we do you, you're trying to help those guys manage some of that failure because it's hard yeah i would if we had freshmen that were playing and then they had to sit for a little bit i'm like hey you're not coming out you just need to take a breath like you you need right. to sit and just watch the game for a little bit because you know how many freshmen you got they've never had to actually sit and watch a game 
I'm like, you know, stay in where whatever spot you are in the order, stay in it, go through your routine and all that. But then I want you to just sit and watch the game and, and relax and just sit and watch and, and slow this thing down a little bit. Yeah. And then they, they play like a football schedule now. You know, they only play on the weekends. They travel somewhere and play and come back home. You know, after that, that 30th game and then I used to play back to back like that, you can see them hit a wall. So. You know. Well, in the spring, too, for you all, that's a long day, you know, especially you may have weather, you may have a doubleheader day, you know, you're going to take BP in and out, other team does it, and then you got to sit there and you're going to play, and then those are those are long days for y'all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to do it all the time. When I first got into, um, when I first came over here, we used to play four games on the weekend. Oh, those used to be 12-hour days. They were work days. They were grinding. That last game, oh, we scored 25 runs. It was so... But it, it teaches you. It teaches you, you know. But you, you definitely have to manage those young guys. That's really important for their confidence. Not necessarily that year, but that next year because, you know, it, it can affect them long term if you don't have, they don't have a real good coping mechanism. So. Yeah, I used to tell our freshmen that, especially in the fall. I'm like, hey, I know how fast this is for you next year, but I'm next year I'm going to ask you how much slower it is as a sophomore. Just everything slows down for them. They know yeah. where their classes are at. They, you know, they kind of know the routine of on the field. It's just so much slower for sophomores. Yeah, no, that's true. That's definitely true. And that definitely, in case for me as a player, I was so homesick that first year, never been away. And then that next year, it was like, I don't even want to go back. You know, so it's just a part of the process. How did you handle the culture shock of leaving South Florida? Ooh, that first, like I said, that first year, it was really tough. Um, but, um, my junior college coach, actually, I still talk to him to this day, Greg Frady. Um, we, he, we've had a lot of conversations and he, he, it's different, you know, it, it's different. It's like when we recruit kids from California, they, you know, they think there's, there's no place else in the world like California, you know what I mean? And I say, you don't find that, that but the same kids from like that from South Florida also. So, so it's a, it's a learning curve. And, you know, once you get used to like, Hey, it's always can go back, you know, and that's one thing I try to tell the young people. Hey, you'll have a chance to go back. It's just three months at a time, four months at a time that you're here in college, and then you get a chance to go somewhere. So, and now with social media, how do you help them through kind of the white noise that's out there with social media? Because everybody knows if you're playing well, they know if you don't have, if you're not playing well. How do you help them kind of center in? And you had Dion there, kind of shined a light on on the positives of social media. You know, yeah, he. Dion definitely knows how to work it. Um, those guys, it's tough. It, it's they're aware of everything, you know. And sometimes that's not the best thing, you know. And I tell them, I say, sometimes you gotta, gotta, gotta zone out on that stuff and focus on what's, you know, what's going on right now. Um, but they're in it. Some of those guys live it, you know. It's, you know, we got a couple guys. One of those guys got a, has a million followers on, on on social media. So you know, it's just, it's crazy. It's a totally different world. Totally different world. Faceless opponent. So we used to yes. try to tell them, you know, back back when you and I were playing, you didn't really know who anybody else was, and now everybody knows who everybody is. And yeah. we just told them, hey, just treat it, treat it like a faceless opponent. Yeah, no, that's the truth. That's the truth. They they they, they know more about the kids. We watch a synergy, and they they know <laughs> on um on TikTok and all of this stuff. You know, so it's amazing. It's amazing that what they have access to nowadays. 
you know, your family introduced you to baseball, but did you have any idols? I know back when you and I grew up, we didn't have many options to watch games on television. Did you have any idols growing up? Uh, well, I kind of fell in love right around the Mets, right around, you know, I, I, I Lenny Dystra, you know, you know, Barry Bonds. I'm a Pirates fan, so kind of, you know, that's band a good slide. era to be a Pirates fan. Right, it was, and, that, and that's, that's how, but right around that time, right around that time, you know, and, you know, the parents always ask me, you know, oh, he likes to play and all that. I say, well, don't force him. If he falls in love, he'll do it every day. You know, you have to, you have to fall, but for the Mets, to answer your question, right around that time, the Mets were really popular, and, you know, I used to remember running, rushing home um, when the playoffs started, and they always had that, that first, that, the first round of playoffs, and it'd be an afternoon game, you know, as soon as we got out of practice come home and, and didn't leave TV just to watch that game because you didn't see baseball every day like that. Yeah, Vince Coleman and, and Willie McGee were two of my yes. favorites. My parents are diehard Cubs fans, so we always watch Cubs, Cardinals. And, uh, you know, back then you only really got the Cubs on TV or the Braves until the playoffs started. But those guys I loved, especially on the turf, They those guys just flew around. They were, they were two of my favorites because that was kind of my style too. So I was really lucky early on. Because um the 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 Orioles was still in town, um they they had a couple spring training games at old Bobby Maduro Stadium way back in mid eighties, um, Rick Dempsey, um you know it's we just go and sneak in and you know watch them practice and then then try to make it to school but you know that was we were fortunate to have that so we did that a little bit but um. Those William McGee and 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 I always used to love watching the the, the Cardinals play back then. You know, so. Who helped you the most when you transitioned from playing to then coaching? Who kind of mentored you the most to help you get acclimated to be on the other side? I Mike Lane, Mike Lane used to be the head coach at North Alabama. You know, he he encouraged me to do it. He drugged me to the coaches' convention and made me sit in and listen to everybody. You know, I tell I say, I don't I don't do nearly as good of a job of coaching coaches as he did for me. Um, it was a big deal for him. He was like, hey, make sure you have a question for me after the game while we're riding on the bus, you know, stuff like that. Um, and that was I, I'm thankful to him for doing that. But, you know, as a head coach, you're, I'm, I'm still processing the win or the loss and what we need to work on, you know, and, and he had enough to say, hey. Make sure you have a question now. Um, and then, you know, just giving me all the insight that I could ever ask for from how to do travel to running the concession stand. People don't think about those aspects of, of running a program, but you need to know a little bit of everything, you know, how to we put together a poster and what we need to do to put together the poster together. You know, he made sure I was well prepared when I when I left there to come over here. What Bob Braddy made your career? Coach Brady gave me an opportunity. Um, I'm grateful forever. You know, I came here, had never been to the Jackson State before, and, you know, 23 years later, you can tell I love it. Um, but he gave me an opportunity, and I'm thankful to that. He still comes to all the games. It's amazing, amazing. He's 80-something. He shows up to every game. He has great energy. It's amazing. You know, he, he, he's done a lot of good things here. He's affected a lot of people here. What were some of his tips for you when you took over the program? Uh, yeah. You say recruit, make sure you can recruit. 
that was one of the main things. Make sure you get players now. You can't win without players. No, no. he's been good. Really supportive. Really supportive of what we do. How are you implementing academics in your program? I've had a 3.0 GPA every year there. This is a this is an amazing place when it comes to academics. Um, we put they put a lot of emphasis on it. We had a 93% graduation rate. You know that that's shocking to me. You know what you know because the time the demands that we put on the guys, and then able to get them to graduate at that rate. Um, we do a good job. I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm the enforcer. I'm make you go to class. I'm gonna punish you. You don't go to class. But the academic people. Um, they do a really good job. They, you know, they make sure they're, they make sure to let me know if they're not doing something right, if they need a tutor or, or, you know, we need to make some adjustments on some classes. They always do a good job. So, no, they, it, it's, it's a, it's a big team of people to make the academics go that well. Yeah. I mean, academic student services center. Yeah. Yes. Fully serviced. That, you have to have one. If you want oh, them to you, do well, you have to have you. one. You know, you have to, you, you have did, to. you know, that's like way back, you know, when the clearinghouse first, first was established, you know, we're trying to navigate through that whole thing, you know, way back, you know, almost 20 something years ago, you know, but you need those, those, those people and you need someone that likes to do it. That's tentative and that checks. Otherwise guys can slip through the crack. So, you know, I kind of check on them to check on the, the guys um, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, that's, that's a full time part of what you do, you know, cause it, it's important. You know, that's I, I behind really, the scenes stuff that people have never coached at, at your level. They don't realize how much goes into that piece of making sure they're taking care of that part of it. It, it consumes a lot of it because I think as a coach, that's a pride thing too. You want your guys to do well in the classroom you know, for yeah. you personally, but also on campus too. Like you want professors to know that your kids are going to class and that you're putting the effort in on that too, to make sure they're going, but also be yeah. good students too. You know, we, we tried to emphasize like, don't just show up, sit in the back, but actually participate. I'm like, th this can help or hurt you as a student athlete. It can really help you on the back end if you participate and handle it right, but it can hurt you too. If, if you don't show up and you don't participate, professors will crush you but if, if you if you do what you're supposed to do in class they're probably gonna help you on the back end yeah no that that's 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 absolute truth and i've, I've been here long enough that we I have a reputation and the teacher the professor come up to him and say hey you know you don't want you know you, you so make sure you do what you need to do and the guys just kind of get in line and then everyone you know I, i'm accessible so they just call and say hey you need to check on him he's not doing so well and then we'll we'll get him and even the the the, the kids that we get from different countries, you know, and it's sometimes a language barrier, you know, still we figure out a way to communicate with them and, and make sure everything gets worked out. How have they been at, you know, your English is a second language students. How have they been able to navigate that? I, I think right now at the beginning, when I first started getting some of the international kids, you know, they was like, Oh, you know, kind of now it's, we have, Actually, one of our one of our academic, former academic advisors was a Venezuelan guy, and he kind of helped the guys that Spanish, their first language, kind of helped those guys out. So it's different. We have different, you know, ways to deal with it now because we're more prepared for it. You know, so 
you know, it's, it's after so many years of getting guys, international guys. You know, we have a kid from Ecuador. Believe it or not, he got held up from coming over here because Ecuador just went into the Civil War. I'm like, man, it's crazy, you know. So it's amazing, you know, some of those stories. But, you know, he's trying, he, you know, his, the English gets better. It's amazing once they get acclimated to it and, and they assimilate into to the, to the environment. And it helps them in the long run. How are you helping them then in practice with that? Because obviously you're going to have kids that don't speak Spanish on your squad. How are you helping them navigate communicating with each other on the field? Well, ba- baseball is, is, is his own language sometimes. You know what I mean? You know, so we, we, they, they get used to, as if not to move from subject, but you know, one thing that, that always bothered me about baseball is how the terminology is so regional. You know, it's just a little different and different programs have different terminologies, say the same thing, you know, you know, even in the base running, you know, I said fake steel, you know, and, you know, so it, it's it's amazing. But they communicate once they're together and definitely after the, the kids are together multiple years, the English improves. But the terminology, you know, is, you know, instead of saying, you know, doors, they, they're saying two. You know, it's just it just they assimilate to, to the situation, but never really, believe it or not, never had a communication problem. I've had, I'll tell you a quick little funny story. Um, I had a, a, a catcher named Vidal. He still catches for the Dutch, well, for Curacao. Um, and we had another player from Curacao. And, you know, they speak a language called Papamento and Spanish and English. Well, when we couldn't communicate, we'll just have the other kid just, just, talk to him and pop him into nobody knows that you know what i mean <laughs> so it, and they just communicate and we, he just sat next to me and i said i'll tell him such and such and he just spit it on out there so. any other things adjusting wise for you going from assistant to head coach besides besides now you're the ceo and you cover all of it <laughs> well when i first took over um it was I, some of those i just got married <laughs> so juggling that and becoming the head coach um and we did we didn't have a feel at that time so we had to commute um it was a lot it was a lot at the beginning i had some really good kids really how good far kids. was the commute for y'all about two miles two miles and it was a, a local high school field believe it or not i went out there and worked on the field just try to get it up to where we could actually take some ground balls safely and whatnot like that Field, the the fences were really short. Guys hitting balls. I, now we think we got so much power. It's just like oh, but we we actually had a really good year. We won the division that year for the first time in about five or six years, and and actually won won over thirty games. Those kids, those, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of commitment because you had to have it. I was young, so everything I was on top. Of, you didn't have the shoestrings tied up right. You know, I was you know everything was was you know you know was I was paying attention to. You know, now I learned to bag off a little bit, but back then, that transition, a lot of hours. And at least back then, guys could drive themselves too. No, yeah. we had them on buses. Did you? And I didn't have an assistant coach, so I had a graduate assistant. So my GA would drive one van, and I would drive the other. Oh man, it was it was it was something else. Was we something had else. a fifteen minute commute at Evansville to, our, to Bossy Field from the campus. So we had a blue cargo van, but we actually would drive down we drive ourselves down there we, private we, we school hopped. private school you can do things a little bit different i think back then yeah <laughs> no, no. no they wouldn't want those guys the liability that went, went crazy over that 
I feel like you've taken over for Coach Kador as the kind of the dean of the HBCU schools. Do you feel that way? I wish I could have the success that Roger had. He had a had a ton of success. Yeah, he was able to get a lot of players. Got a lot of respect for Roger. Um, I'm the transition guy from all of those old coaches because I was here when Watkins was at Alabama State, Bennett was at Pine Bluff, Candy was at Texas Southern. Um, you know, I was kind of the transition. I was here, and then they were transitioning out. So now there's so many young coaches, which is a good thing for our league. Uh, the the baseball has man improved drastically, and the schools have put a lot more emphasis into it. It's not just a couple schools with scholarships it's just about all of them across the board now so you know it's 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 really really competitive but yeah i have i have been that transition guy and it's been good you know i like to win so as long as we win and i'm good do you feel like you kind of mentor then the the new coaches that come into the league some some but it's it's competitive like any other place you know everybody wants to win so it's only only so much mentoring you can do when you got to compete against. I told that story at the convention when I was a young assistant at Evansville in the Missouri Valley. I mean, you would clear benches sometimes, but then you'd see the head coaches with each other after they'd go to dinner, they'd hang out with each other, which was crazy to me that you're so competitive on the field, but then all these coaches were hanging out with each other away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you, you have to separate that part of it because it is a human side of it. You know, that, you know, that you really, some of those guys are really good guys. And this summer, you know, I had a great experience with USA Baseball and just the opportunity to spend some time with coaches that you never really do, you know, because you're always with your program and your assistants that you're working on, you know, what's what's next here and what's going on to never sit down and say, hey, you know, yeah, how are you doing? Where are you from? And you learn some guy's background. You learn, man, we have more in common than not. You know what I mean? I actually... My, my wife's from the Bay Area, so um, I went, we spent Thanksgiving over there, and then I went over to Stanford with Coach Thomas, you know, and we, we spent some time, he showed me around Stanford, and, you know, it just, those are relationships you, you build just by doing things off field. How fun is it with the USA team, being around the best of the best? That was a great experience this past year, great experience. Um you know, I, I, it's it, it's it's amazing some of those guys and what they can do and you know how they go about their business. That's a lot. You know, you go sit and watch. You know, you watch him how. You know, that's why he's that good. You know, not that he has a bunch of God gifted ability, but his mindset. You know, his work ethic. You know, how he shows up. It, it's 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 a great experience. I would tell people if they ever get an opportunity to do that, just you know, take it. Take it and inhale every bit of it you can. They're wired different. You know, they do have talent, but players like that are, are wired different in a good way. They just they go about it differently. Their work ethic is different. Their their concentration and focus is different. And I, I think they have joy in everything that they're doing for it, too, like the best ones. They might be hitting off a tee. But they're having fun hitting off a tee. They're concentrating and focusing, but they're enjoying the process of getting better. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Without a doubt. With your roster, has it always been a mix of four-year transfers, JUCO, high school kids? 
with your roster, or has that evolved over time? It's it's always been a mix. It's always you know we 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 especially now, I think we, because of the transfer portal and so many guys are competing over some of those guys, we're going to be able to get some better high school guys. Um, but we've always had a mix. I try to keep a mix. I just you know you would like to junior college guys because you want to have a guy that's close to being ready to play right away. But you want the high school guy because if he gets acclimated to your system and what you're trying to do, you're gonna get three better, three good years out of him instead of one really out of the gym. So you gotta have a good mix. You gotta have a good mix. So we, you know, we took advantage of the the transfer portal. We got a left-handed pitcher, Garrett. Man, that, that guy threw almost 112 innings last year. So you know, you know, we expect him to to have that kind of success here too. But everybody's gonna take advantage of it. But we like a mix. We like a mix. We like diversity. If you look at them, we got them from all over, too, all over the United States, from West Coast to East Coast, from the Caribbean, you know, so South America. So, is is yeah. that a benefit for you being at an HBCU school with maybe some of the, you know, mid-major schools that maybe can't work the transport portal as much? There's just so much history with HBCU schools. That's probably a benefit for y'all, isn't it? Yes, it, I, I think it, 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 it helps. You know, it helps. It gives us some opportunities. I know our, 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 our other sports have taken advantage of it big time, you know, but I think it's helped and it's, it's still a, 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 always an opportunity for us to get a kid out of there. You know, one thing, you know, when it comes to some of the rules that's been, that has been changed, you know, way back, remember we used to be able to get mid-year transfers, the, the junior college guy that graduated late. I used to get our best players there, you know, and when they took that away, I was hurt. Because <laughs> it was all the way, hey, man, I'll hold a scholarship for you. You just, just graduate and then come over. You know, I got some really good players like that. So I wish that came back. Was There was no adjustment for your guys. We did that a couple times at Iowa, and it just felt like those guys were so lost in the spring when we took some mid, mid-semester transfers because they hadn't been with us in the fall, and then you're kind of throwing them into the fire. It just felt like those guys were, were lost because they hadn't been with us in the fall. Well, when we were getting them, we were making sure that they were good players. <laughs> maybe maybe that was my mistake. We weren't getting the right players. Not one on the bubble. Uh, he's, if he's average, nah. Because it is. It is a big adjustment. You know. huge. So, Especially because they don't know anybody. I think that was the hardest part is they didn't know any of their teammates yet. Right. No, that, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But, you know, but we, we were able to navigate that and make that work for a couple guys. And it, it really paid off for us. With Dion being there, did you had to have to spruce up your social media presence at all? <laughs> well, I'm not very good at it, first of all. Um, and then me, my personality, I kind of, you know, I don't like to be in the spotlight. So that's a big difference between him and I. I know he invited me over here um, before, and I kind of shied away because I know all the the cameras and all of the stuff that he had going on. But he knows it. He's awesome at it. He navigates that stuff, and he he makes it work. I try to tell coaches, though, because I, I get that a lot because I'm on there. Even coaches that are maybe introverted, I'm like, still put stuff out there. Just just even a little bit because some kids might gravitate to that personality more than more than somebody that's more outgoing. Like, I think you never know until you try where even if you are a little bit introverted, you don't have to show a lot. But 
at least show your personality because there might be a player or parent out there that gravitates more towards that personality than somebody that's that's boisterous. Yeah, we try. I've gotten better. I've gotten better over the years. You know, they would say, hey, coach, you got to do this. And I was all damn. All right. I'm working at it slowly but surely. How did you connect with the German national team? Again, <clears throat> goes back to Greg Frading. Actually, I did envoy program for MLB. I did that. Um, and I went to Germany on the envoy program with MLB for seven weeks. Ooh. That was an experience. No German, not a bit, to go over there and coach the kids. But not only that, you know, in those envoy programs, they want you to help them out with their whole club. You know, if they have issues with the concession, they have issues with attracting kids, anything, they want you to help them. But, you know, I wasn't supposed to coach their their biggest team. But, you know, every club wanted you to come coach the biggest team, you know. so. But it was it was a good experience, Coach Frady. Um, after getting to to know some of the people in the German Federation, um, and then the connection with with, with, with Coach Frady, um, they invited me along. I did that for about four or five years, something like that. So we had an opportunity to go to a World Cup, a European Cup, a World Baseball Challenge in 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 Canada. Um, it was a good experience, really good experience. You know, the 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 it was it was it was it was different. You know, I wasn't used to players, you know, having bread in their bag, you know, and stuff like that. You know, but the baseball is baseball, you know, at the end of the day. And we, we had some success while we were there. Did your German ever get better? A little bit. A little bit. It's tough language. Know. It is. You get it that is, part of the world. That, the lip, language is, is different. It's, it's literal. When I first got there, you know, I you just say glove. And then the, the woman said, no, 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 hand shoe. Hand shoe. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, it makes sense. Hand shoe. You know, so it did. So, you know, it kind of, it worked out. You know, and RBI came and spoke again at, at the diversity committee. Is that our best actionable plan right now for helping inner city kids get more interested in baseball? It depends. It depends the area. Um, the outs, just use Jackson as an example. I think RBI would have some success here at the the grassroots level because it's not a lot of baseball. So you got to attract those kids that are playing basketball and football to come and have some fun with it, you know, no consequences. Um, But I don't think they're prepared to go out. Now, sometimes the RBI gets a little competitive and they're playing against different places and stuff like that. That 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 wouldn't work that well in Jackson because if this starts being competitive, they're gonna grab get all the kids from the outskirts that are. Baseball's really big here outside of the city. Really big, really big. We've had a couple first rounders in the next city. You know what I mean? So it's 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 you gotta have a different approach for it to work here. Um, but in some places, you know, like I, I listened to the presentation that the the guy from the Texas Ranger RBI did. That seemed like it's perfect. And it seems like it's well organized, and they're going. The baseball and softball is going to continue to progress there. But to target the kids here, it has to be at the the park level. They have to meet the kids at the park, you know. Because when I started playing, believe it or not, this is a it's crazy sandlot. story. I mean, it is. It's sandlot. Teach them the fundamentals, but allow them to have fun and and go out and play sandlot games. I was I was walking across the, the the field with a basketball in my hand, and the coach said, "Hey, you want to play? Just needing another player." 
And I went over there and been doing this stuff ever since. You know, so it's just finding the key. I think we over overcomplicate some of that at the youth level sometimes and how rigid yeah. and structured. It doesn't really need to be that. It's almost like not, let them play wiffle ball, honestly. Let them enjoy the game, have some success, but fun doing it. And that, I think we overcomplicate that that process yeah. sometimes. But it's a definite need. It's a definite need. I learned this is a, one of the things I learned from, from that um, from the Envoy program going to Germany. And baseball was being, you know, it's baseball's always been there since the World War, you know, World War II, since our soldiers were there. But it just wasn't a widespread thing. Man, MLB provided envoys. I wasn't the only one there. Um, they had something called like the road show that it was just fun. It was like games, like a carnival, but baseball, you know. And they traveled from city to city to city. And the kids would come out just because, oh, it's coming this week, you know, the road show. You know, I, so I, I, after seeing some of the things that they provided in other places, I think it's still, you know, just to find something like that to make it in, entertaining for the kids. Um, and then once they fall in love with it, like I, you know, that's when you can be a little more structured with it. What are the next steps for the HBCU schools? <laughs> well, got to continue to raise the level of play. That's that's one thing, and and that's all about recruiting, and um, it's just the the coaching and the recruiting and and you know everything's with facilities, you know just that's that's the next step because we do have some really good players and we've been able to compete on some of the biggest stages. You know the same week in what fourteen we we're able to beat the number one team in the country in a regional, you know that you know that almost unheard of you know for you know that the rpi that far apart you know so um it's just continue to get some good teams out there continue to improve the play um i think that's that those are the the, the next level but you you're going to see uh, you're going to see a team win a region before it's all said and done you know, that's that's why probably. I'm a fan of if they could find a way to to make the whole tournament best two out of three. Yeah, or no, it's not thirty two hosts. I think you would see more of it. People are like, "You're crazy." I'm like, "I'm telling you, anybody can beat anybody in college baseball." And you get a team that's hot. I don't care if yeah. it's a sixty fourth team playing the the one seed. If that team plays better for two games, they got a chance to beat the number one seed. Yeah, we we we. That same tournament I was just speaking of, we 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 won the the first game and then we lost the second game on one run against Mississippi State. We win that game. It's two games to two games you have to beat us to to keep us out of super regional. So you think about it, it's doable. It, it's very possible at the regional level. Very possible. It is. Do you have a fail forward moment? You have something you thought was going to set you back, but looking back now, it helped you move forward. Could be anything, Shoot. personal, professional. Everybody's got to answer this one. This is, <laughs> this is what the this is what the listeners like. This is their favorite question because everybody has to answer it. A fail for a moment, man. I've 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 had some. I used to call them crossroads. Actually, coming here, you know, coming here, you know. Well, I, you're I, in the land of cross the crossroads, by the way. <laughs> You know, that's what I used to, when I used to tell my wife that, you know, I'm always at a crossroad. When I came here, it was like five-year plan, and, you know, I kind of rushed up here, and and 
one of the best things happened to me. I, 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 uh, um, I was managing uh, um, a regional park and my graduate assistantship had just ended. So, and I got a call and, and was asking, Hey, would you be interested in coming to Jackson state to coach? And me being young, cause I came here when I was 27. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Um, so I packed up, left before actually fulfilling the obligation, the two weeks obligation. Everybody knew I was leaving the job, but I didn't fulfill the two weeks obligation with the actual HR. But everybody else was prepared for me to go and I, you know, party, everything like that. Um, so I left and I came to Jackson State. Two years later, they offered me the regional director job. I couldn't take the job because I had left prematurely. HR will get you on that stuff. And believe it or not, I've been here ever since. I became head coach and best thing that ever happened to me. It's crazy, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So that was one of my, my, my failed moments. But, you know. Yeah, because I don't consider them fail forward. You know, I, I don't consider them fail moments because you do. It ends up happening the way it's supposed to happen. And your yeah. wife was good with the move? Yeah, well, yeah. She, she's been real. She's had more insight um, than a lot of the times because, you, know, you know, we've got off some other situations and she's like, no, no, no. Let's stay. Let's stay. So. I think that has a lot to do with where coaches end up is their their family situation, their life circumstances. Yeah, yeah. no, she's she's real good. She's been real good about that. What are your routines? I love asking about morning or evening routines. You have any set morning or evening routines that you do every day that you like? Every day, every day. I'm at I'm at the gym by five thirty. I'm in this office by eight thirty. Um, if if that whole morning doesn't go right, my whole day is thrown off. So I, I do the same things. Go work out, come back, drink some tea, collect my thoughts, get what we got going on for the day, get in here. We communicate as a staff. This is how we're going to go about it. And then we try to execute it after we get a practice outline together. But that's daily. Fellow tea drinker, I'm not a coffee guy, so what are your go-to teas? Oh, it depends. It depends. I had some sarsaparilla root this morning, and then I after that because I'm about a two two cup guy a day. I had some ginger tea after that, but I like to make some of the stuff myself. So it's not too. just so. I've been been doing that for a long time now, and I'm I'm a, I'm an intermittent faster, so it is you know a lot of clarity, a lot of clarity. How long's your intermittent fasting for? How long are you fasting for? I go from eight to noon, eight at night to noon, and then I'll eat from noon to eight. So it's it works for me. It works for me. I'm me about. too. I'm I'm twelve. I'm twelve on, twelve off. Yeah. So it's I started it, doing that when I was still coaching and I that was one of the best things I did for waking up in a yeah. good place. I just think when you eat late, I think it's much harder on your system. I think you're much groggier. In the morning, well, I try to tell coaches that all the time. I'm like, if you're groggy when you get up in the morning, try to stop your your last meal much earlier. I think it makes a huge difference. No, I I, I do. I, I, for clarity, for 
being prepared, that it it that routine, man, is priceless. It's priceless. It makes me feel like okay, everything's set, you know. But no, I live by it. I live by it. You mix your workouts up much, or the same thing? Well, it's 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 well, I'm a creature of habit. It's mixed up, but it's the same thing, basically the same. <laughs> same day, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, I'm doing, doing, you know, lats and shoulders on one day and then legs. And then, then I do cardio on the weekend. And I think I started doing that after, after, um, after the first game of the season, series. Like after that Friday game, that Saturday morning, I get up, do some cardio, clears my good or bad, good or bad. It it, it it helps me out. So, well, and if you're still throwing a lot of BP too, like you need cardio. Yeah. Like you, you need it. Like you're not going to get through a season of throwing if if you don't have some cardio mixed in there, or your yeah. your arm's going to be real sore. I'm st- I'm still a, I'm still. A, the, I know the, the strength prim- training guys will crush on that doing cardio after you throw a lot, but I it works. Like it, it still works. Gets the body moving. Gets the arm moving. No. It does. It works for me. What are you trying to get accomplished now between now and February 16th with the guys? Well, right now we're, we're, we're basically doing individuals and just going over some technique stuff still, but at the same time we're trying to get them as many ground balls and fly balls and swings as we possibly can. You know, we threw some bullpens um, yes, day before yesterday. Um, just – getting them back in shape because you know that that's the strange thing about our sport we do all that in the fall then they have a month off and then now you got to get everybody built back up and back into a routine um so just getting getting them as many reps as they possibly can i still think march 1st should be opening weekend for everybody yeah you just said it like you have so much time away from them you know there's a lot of a lot of faith you're putting in your guys but even, they could have the best facility at home. It's still not going to be like when they're with you where I'd like to see that first weekend in March be the the opening yeah. weekend. Even if it's a lap, Feb, you know, like we're in a leap year here, even if it was February 28th, 29th, and March 1st, I just right. think it gives you all more time to, to make sure the arms are ready to go. No, I agree. I agree. I think it should be. I think it should be pushed back. You know, and then the weather, some of the weather issues you won't have. Because it seems like winters, seems like it's reversed now for some reason with the seasons. It just seems like you have really good weather early, and then come late February, it starts to turn to winter again. But I don't yeah. know. Give the field no. time to get ready too. Yeah, yeah, that too. Especially, um, I, we work on the field, <laughs> so I know how that is. What are some final thoughts before I let you go? I know you're busy, and I appreciate you jumping on with me right before the season starting. Well, no, I appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. You know, um, and in anything in the future that you need me to participate in, I'm more than happy. I, I had a great experience with the, the hot stove, um, and actually, you know, and I would tell that to to, to um, any other coach. Uh, you know, you you I went you going into the hot stove to provide information, then you would leave the hot stove learning something. You know, and that's that's coaching. That's what coaches do. We we pick up a little bit from everybody and always looking for that opportunity to learn something, you know, and I think I'm fortunate that somebody taught me to be that kind of coach that 
you don't know it all, but it's always something to learn. Well, and you said it too. It, it almost it reaffirms a lot of what you're doing too. When you get around other coaches, it, it reaffirms a lot of the stuff you're already doing. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, thanks for your time, sir. All right. Let's have a great season. Good luck in, in Houston. I'll be pulling for you guys. So thank you, Omar. All right. Appreciate it. I want to thank Coach Johnson again for joining us on the Base Running Hot Stove panel at the ABCA convention this year. He gave the audience some great insight. He gave the audience some great insight. The Tigers were 87 for 111 last spring in stolen bases. Make sure you tune in to the Astros HBCU Classic down in Houston starting on February 16th. Jackson State is playing Texas Southern, Alcorn State, and Grambling State. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore abca or direct message me via the MyBSA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. In the world, keeps on turning.